0: Stand with me if you would. Welcome all of you watching online. So honored and privileged to be able to, to speak into your life today, prayerfully something that's said will help give direction or hope to your heart, to your life, to your future. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, a lot of things uh, are going on in our world that we kind of scratch our head and go, what's going on? But uh, the thing I love about Christianity and faith is it's very consistent. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those things don't change. But sometimes we we wish they would. There was an older couple, and they same age, high school sweethearts, got married, and finally they decided for their 60th birthday they wanted to to really do something special and celebrate. And uh, they each had one wish. And the woman said, "You know, for for my 60th, I want I'd love for us to be on a Hawaiian Island and just hanging out, spending time together, and and poof, they're on a they're on an island in Hawaii." The husband kind of ducked his head and kind of ashamed, but if he went ahead and said, he said, "Well, she said, well, what do you wish?" He said, well honestly i I was wishing that I'd be married to a woman thirty years younger. Poof, he was ninety. <laughs> be careful what you ask for. Anyway, let's go to the Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 23, if you would. Verse 11, it says, The greatest among you, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you. In a world that prizes skill and fame and all of the giftings and all the wonderful things that God has put in us, the reality is nothing will ever be greater than a heart of a servant. Someone who is willing to turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, give a coat instead of just a shirt. All of those things represent our faith in Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's so important that we understand that every one of us has a deposit of greatness in us. Now, I'm not talking about a secular greatness, a greatness that makes us renowned or known uh, by the world, but a greatness that touches the heart of God and allows God to be the god of our lives there is greatness in you and you might have been told your whole life that you'll never amount to anything you're no good and and you've heard all of these words for so long that there is a fortress around the greatness in your soul because you've never been told that you could be something for the kingdom of God that you could do something for God's kingdom that that you really count And that sometimes you're just told, get a job and do what you do. Go through the routines of life. And that's okay. But we have to realize that if you have a job, you also have an assignment. And not just an assignment from the company you work for, but assignment from God that will work inside the company. You have that seed of greatness that can make other people great. The pandemic... Uh, to me, was a direct assault, not on our physical being, but on God's kingdom. We know that the Bible says we're all going to die. That's not a shocker to anyone. But I think that we lost sight of what this was really about, and that is that if Satan could divide us, he had a better chance of conquering us. So when you go into isolation and you go into quarantine, and I'm not suggesting that I'm right about any of this as far as the the pandemic goes, as far as, you know, how it works. Is it real? Yeah, it's real. We know that. But the reality is there's always a force behind a demonic attack that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe it was to divide us and keep us separated because we're better together than we are apart. We're stronger. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And we have to realize that we are living by divine appointment at such a time as this. That you're, it's not an accident that you're alive right now. I'm so glad that I wasn't alive in 1785 Aren't you? I mean, I'm thrilled. If you have nothing else to be thankful for. They didn't have indoor plumbing. They didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have microwaves. All the things that we prize. No air conditioners on the wagons and horses. We have a purpose for such a time as this. And sometimes, if you've not been told you have a purpose, you have a reason for being here, then you you probably just get up every day and live life accidentally or by rote or whatever it is. But some people wake up and they realize there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. And I, you know, oftentimes in our world today, people measure that by how well-known somebody is or how much money they have. And all, all those things, as fine as those might be, those are not really what's important. Purpose is what's important. Helping others. Loving others. Giving purpose to others. There was a young man that grew up In Western Africa Ghana West Africa and he'd grown up like many others in his village very poor and lacking and finally when he became 16 17 years old having lived there his whole life he just felt like there had to be more than what he was experiencing and he began to talk to the families in the village and friends and say you know there just has to be something more than this and he said I'm gonna go find it and so he one day told everybody I'm leaving And he left, he departed year after year after year, and finally after seven years of being gone and absent from his friends, his family in the village, he came back into the village and everybody was so thrilled to see him, and they knew why he had left, and they fully expected that he was going to come back with some kind of profound wisdom or knowledge of of what what, what was out there beyond their little impoverished village. And so they ran to him and they said, What did you bring us? What-, what are you coming back with? What do we need to know? And he reached in his pocket and he simply pulled out three little cocoa seeds. And they looked at him in shock like, This is it? You've been gone seven years and you're coming back to our village with just three little seeds? He said, If we plant these seeds, they'll grow. And they'll create a harvest. And sure enough, to this day, Ghana, West Africa, is, is the second largest. It's my daughter. Sorry, honey. Get back to you in a minute. And it's the second largest producer of, of cocoa in the world. Now, everybody in the village just saw three seeds. But this man saw a harvest that would come if he just planted those seeds. I am proposing to us today that we are seeds in the hands of God. And that if we will plant ourselves in the places that God wants us to be planted, we can see a harvest of righteousness in the world in which we live. So don't ever discount. What you possess or what somebody else possesses and see it just as a seed. Without seeds, there is no harvest. You know, just genetically now, they're producing fruit that is seedless fruit. Once the fruit is eaten, there are no seeds in it. It cannot reproduce. My goodness. Hold on. Here we go. Hold on. Welcome to Mosaic. I know she's got to know I'm preaching right now. Hold on. One minute. Okay. I bet that's never happened before, huh? But we are potentially, we represent a seed or a harvest to a world that is desperately in need of of what we possess. Now the challenge is that it takes faith and it takes sacrifice. So number one, service keeps selfishness in check. When you're willing to serve or be a seed to somebody else in this world, you keep selfishness in check. How many of you have ever heard this question, and I think I said it last week, what's in it for me? That seems to be the big question. Well, if I do this, what's in it for me? That's not a good question. God, what's in it for your kingdom? How will my choice to follow you and obey you make a difference in your kingdom? This is a question we have to ask because our world is so self-consumed and everything's so convenient and everything we do and everywhere we go, it's just everything's accessible. I mean, it's so amazing to me that now we have DoorDash and Uber Eats and you don't even have to go out anymore. It's like everything comes to our front door. Everything's right here. And so what? You say, well, what's that have to do with the church? Well, that has permeated God's house. What's in it for me? What can you do for me instead of saying, God's house is a place for me to do something for somebody else. God's house is a house of service. Not just a house of worship. Not just a house of fellowship, and those are great. But his house is a house of of service. You know, when I was a kid, my dad never one time asked me to mow the lawn. He told me to. It wasn't like, hey, hey Mark, would you mind mowing the lawn? Get out there. Get behind that lawn boy that has about a 12-inch cut. You know, now we got like six feet. You know, you can't even get it in the garage. No, get out there and mow the acre. uh, Why? Because guess what? That was my house too. And everybody in my house did something. Now, this generation of millennials, dear Jesus, could you take your plate from the table to the sink? You would have thought you asked them to take on Goliath. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but this generation, we've asked too many questions. Jesus didn't say, hey, would you go into all the world for me and preach the gospel? He said, this is a mandate and a commission. And the problem is our ego and our pride has stepped in between us and our God. When God says do something, it's not a request. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. He said, "Hey, would you guys think about forgiving?" (laughs) No, he said, "Forgive. This is a mandate. Give. This is a mandate. Love. This is a mandate." We're asking questions and we're asking people to do things instead of pointing people in the right direction and saying, "This is our responsibility." We don't just dress up, get up, dress up, and step up and come to church. we got to step in to the purposes of God and the will of God. Everyone, everyone can serve. Everyone. God has called us to play the game, not keep the score. Sometimes we're keeping score. So, well, I've done this, and I did this for you, and, and now you need to do this for me. The reality is that Jesus gave his life with no promise that any of us would ever worship him. That any of us would ever serve him. He didn't say, I will come and die for you if you promise to serve me, worship me, love me, and do all. He just said, I'm going to die for you because I so love you. That's, the, that's the, the attitude that we have to embrace, that's the attitude that we have to possess in a world that is so self centered. I've told you a million times, I did not want to come back to Oklahoma City. tornadoes, wind comes sweeping down the plain as it is today. It's like if you want breeze, they ought to shoot movies here. They don't even need fans. You just stand outside and it looks beautiful. Now, I love you, and I love what I do, and I'm glad to be here most of the time. But why would I come back? Only one reason. Because God said, God said, and I'm going to give him the best I've got for the rest of my life. We let our past keep us from our future. I determined that God's not keeping track of my past. He's already cleansed it. But he does have a plan for my future. And that's what I'm after. And that's what you have to be after. Most of the time, we don't know what people's future looks like. But I'm going to tell you, most of you know what their past is. Look for the best in people. Serve people. Look, and if you can't see the best, give them your best and make them become their best. The guy that handles our parking lot, every Sunday faithfully, you would never know what he did for a living. It amazes me that a guy that supervises all of the buildings of Hobby Lobby all over the country shows up every Sunday morning and gets the flags and takes them out and puts them on the highway and stands out there and waves at people. See, most of the time we think I'm beyond that. I'm too good for that. And we don't say it out loud and we're embarrassed that we even think it, but we think it. Well, you know, I I, I should be doing something more important because I'm important five days a week and then I come to church and I'm a flag guy. And I, I have kids five days a week. I come to church, somebody else take them. Well, maybe they have kids too. You can be a life changer. You can pull out the greatness in children by depositing hope and love and life into them. See, most of us are asking God for things that we may not be prepared to receive. Because God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. So if you wonder maybe why God hasn't answered the prayer you've been praying, ask yourself this question, God, have I... Become the person I need to become to do what you've called me to do. It's not that you're going to be perfect in life. There are people who didn't want me to come back saying, Well, your past will keep you from your future only if you listen to their voices, not if you listen to his voice. Too often you're listening to the wrong voices. You can't do that. You're not qualified. You're not good enough. Your life's not perfect enough. That's not what God says. He said the gifts and callings that he has are without repentance are irrevocable. And some of y'all have allowed people that, that are not in authority and power to revoke what God's called you to do. It'd be easy for me to walk away. My goodness, I'm, I'm like the apostle Paul, the worst of all sinners. You say, why are you smiling? Because I'm so forgiven, God doesn't even know what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, you do not know what to do with that, do you? You see, you don't have to live in the past. You don't have to live in your failures. Because what happens when you do that is, is the devil keeps you from being who God's called you to be and doing what God's called you to do. It's the reason most people say, well, I, can't, I can't volunteer to church. I can't serve at the church. I'm not good enough. I've got this. I got that. Quit telling God all of your issues. Speaking of issues, I came across this cute little thing. Is, is, can you guys throw that little thing up on the screen there? I don't even know white people without issues. <laughs> I just thought it was cute. I'm sure I'll take heat because anytime a pastor does something a little different. <laughs> Can't believe you put those on that screen. <laughs> Greatness lies not in trying to be somebody, but in trying to help somebody. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. Lies not in trying to be somebody, but in trying to help somebody. Many years ago when I was pastoring Victory Church just down the road, I didn't know what I was doing, and I I really probably wasn't even that qualified i i look back and i i I don't know why god did what he did but he did but i remember one time i I was so out of my element not knowing what to do that we were growing and i I was trying to hire people and we would grow and i would hire and we'd grow and i would hire and, and we were always behind the eight ball and one day i was praying i said god i need your help he said you don't hire because of growth you hire to prepare for growth You see, God was saying, you need to be prepared. And God is saying to you, you need to be prepared. God will bring the blessing. God will bring the things you're looking for. But he first wants to prepare us. And one of the ways I feel like we're prepared or getting prepared is to humble ourselves and serve in his house. You know, I'm standing up here as a pastor being polite and trying to be really nice and ask you, I think if Jesus was up here today, he'd probably be a little stronger than me. He'd probably say, you know what? You need to get off your mm, and do something. Uh-huh, your mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say that many of us want things we're asking for, and God's saying, if you will do this, I will do this. People say, pray for me that, that I'll have money. Okay, God says, if you give, it'll be given. God, I, I just... I just want to be forgiven. You know, I I didn't mean to do what I did. God said, if you'll forgive, you'll be forgiven. God, nobody loves me. If you'll love, everybody will love you. Well, almost. There are some demon-possessed people. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk after service. I'd like to know where that came from. There's somebody back, amen. <laughs> you know, all of us want to be a part of a team. I don't know how many of you ever played pickup basketball or whatever when you were a kid. Nowadays, it's, it's like, pick me for Fortnite. <laughs> if I was going to be a physician today, I'd learn how to do carpal tunnel surgery because there are going to be a bunch of it in the future. But I remember that when you didn't get picked, or you got picked, you know, like you're the last, pill, okay, I'll take you. Everybody wants to be on a team. Everybody wants to be a part. The problem is we're afraid of rejection. We're so afraid of rejection that, that we don't give other people an opportunity. Most of all, we don't give ourselves an opportunity to, to show God. God, I'm not really excellent at this. I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing, but, but I'm willing. I'm willing, God. I, I don't care. Many people say, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. Go ahead. Get it over with. Get it over with because you're going to be embarrassed someday anyway. We all are. We all do things that we wish we hadn't done. We all, we all trip over shoestrings and parking blocks and slip on ice. And, and just so happens everybody's around and the people you really don't like are there always. Somehow it works that way, and I don't think it's God, but God's saying, you're bigger than their criticism, you're bigger than their laughter, I've got greatness in you, don't worry about what they say, think about what I'm saying, step up and do something. I preached a whole sermon wrong one time. I had the wrong characters. (laughs) I'm supposed to be a Bible guy. I had everything wrong. Finally, somebody had the guts to come up and say, you know, next service, you might want to change that up a little bit from, uh, from, from (laughs) I went, I was so embarrassed. (laughs) I thought, well, I know who Pharaoh is. Why didn't I use his name? I was calling Potiphar Pharaoh, Pharaoh Potiphar. It was totally, it was a wreck. I'm absolutely sure that, that, you know, most people didn't even know the difference, but there were those who did. And God bless them, they let you know. <laughs> it makes you want to quit sometimes. I can't do this. I used to always be afraid in a full gospel church that somebody would pray in tongues and I'd try to interpret. I didn't know what I was doing. There are just too many reasons to excuse ourselves from serving, but they're not good reasons, and they're certainly not great excuses. People say, well, Pastor, I, I was just talking before the 9:30 9, service, and somebody said, you know, somebody left the church because of me. I said, one person? I said, get behind me, because a lot more have left because of me than that. I said, you're good, baby. You're good. <laughs> I can run them off. All I gotta do is preach for a little longer than I should and the anointing's gone and all of a sudden it's just flesh. (laughs) It's when you put monkeys on the screen. There'll be people offended, I'm sure. It's a gift. I possess it. But I've never, i decided to never stop obeying God just because I was embarrassed, made a mistake. Some of you've made mistakes. Some of you say I could never serve in the house of God. And that's just a lie of Satan. Every one of you has something to offer in the body of Christ. You're a seed. You speak to one person, you think nothing about it, but that one person's life was changed because you ignited something in them that had never been ignited before. All things are possible to those who believe. Nothing is impossible with God. Some of the worst sinners, i.e. Paul the Apostle, Become the greatest disciples ever. We don't get to serve because we're good. We don't get to serve because we're experts or we're skilled. We get to serve because God believes in us. And he represented service at the highest level giving his life. Now I'm just going to get real, real strong here. The number one thing I hear from people and have heard since I've been in ministry is I don't have time. Well, you know, I'd love to serve, but I don't have time. Let me say this to you. You always find the time to do the things you really want to do. And there's not one person in here that has twenty eight hours in a day. We all have twenty four. And God gives us the freedom to choose. Serving, spiritually speaking, to me is like being a coke addict or a meth addict. Once you do it and you see people's lives changed, you'll be snorting the rest of your life. You get it, right? I just, I figured I'd let you go home with something that you would question whether or not that was really real or not. The thought of not serving you, the thought of not serving in some capacity, would be the death of me. Even if I wasn't pastoring, I'm thinking of ways that I can touch people. I'm getting older. I'll never be old, but I will be older. And I've thought to myself, how long will people want to listen to an old voice? Well, it's not the old voice. It's the new revelation that people get when you sow into their lives that they can be everything and anything God's called them to be. I began to think if if younger people won't listen to me, I'll just go to old folks' homes. They don't hear well. Every sermon will be out of the park. If you're like my mama, before she passed and... She didn't remember anything. I used to just go and hang out with a bunch of people that didn't know one thing about anybody, didn't remember names. But I am convinced of this, that something happens inside a person when Jesus and the Holy Spirit are brought up. My mother didn't know my name for seven years. But let me tell you, I could go, I could grab her by the arm, I could sit her down at the piano in her memory unit, And I could say, Mom, she played piano for church all my life. Mom, would you play How Great Thou Art? And she could sit down and play How Great Thou Art on the piano, but she didn't know my name, and she didn't know anybody else's. You see... The spirit is alive in people, but sometimes it's covered up by pain of the past and criticism and ridicule and embarrassment. But when you bring Jesus and the Holy Spirit into it, it begins to remove the dirt off of their soul and their past. And all of a sudden, something begins to happen because of that name, Jesus. I'm preparing Mosaic for what God has prepared for Mosaic That's the reason for this message. Our worship team is so on board with revival and what God wants to do. They're amazing. Wouldn't you agree? I tell you, I I am so thankful for Mark Ryan. I am so thankful for his leadership. I got it. You guys need to love on him whenever you see him. He has provided for us. Every Sunday, a worship experience that ushers in the presence of God. And what a great team they they have become. And I'm so grateful for them. So grateful for Mike Gilmore in the parking lot who oversees all the buildings of Hobby Lobby, building and construction. I'm so thankful for all of you. I, I, I can't even go down the list of all the people that sacrifice and give their time to a church and to a fallen pastor who God raised back up. I'm so appreciative for all of you, more than I could have ever imagined. But I'm not finished, and I will not quit. And I won't believe that God will make me limp the rest of my life. I believe God for revival and restoration in our city that will show the world. He is a redeemer. He is the redeemer. He said he would be. The greatest thing about it is I can hold my head high, my shoulders back, and smile. As can you when you realize the reason Jesus came. He didn't die for your sin. He died for you. He died for you to wash your life clean and to place pur- purpose and greatness in you. Now, after this worship experience, we're having a, a, a lunch for all of you that, that volunteer and all of you that want to, to volunteer or serve. And, you know, I've, I've tried to be very, very transparent in all of this. I don't ever want you to feel manipulated. But we have to understand what service is, how it affects our lives, and how it affects the lives of other people. We cannot grow, and we cannot reach the number of people that God may have out there for us to reach. If we have 35 more kids than we have today, we don't have enough leaders So why would God bring people to us if we cannot serve them and help them? That makes no sense to me whatsoever, and I don't think it does to God. This church needs you. The kingdom of God needs you. The people that are looking for God need you. The people of God need you. And I'm just old enough now to be able to say with with strength and confidence That you need to be doing something for God that makes a difference in somebody else's life, not just yours. And I know some people will get mad at me and you'll say, well, you're asking too much of me. An hour and a half a month? (sighs) Go push that lawn boy. You say, well, I got kids five, six, seven days a week. So do most of the people caring for your kids right now. These kids deserve to have a deposit. They're being, they're being wooed by a world system. And we must deposit the Word of God in them to get the greatness of God out of them. And I challenge you, you know, you, you never hear, and this is the thing about church that's, that, that, that to me has bothered me the most, and maybe I succumb to it at some point, but, you know, any of you that have gone to the military and you got off that bus and, and there that buzz-headed sergeant with a three-foot chin addresses you, <laughs> have you ever noticed how they look? Anyway, he didn't say, oh, okay, guys, hey, hey, would you mind getting off the bus and lining up for me? No, he's screaming at you. He's crying out to you. He's speaking to the depths of your soul to make you somebody that you will not become unless somebody requires it of you. The greatest teams, the greatest soldiers, the greatest people of all were not people who were asked to do something they were told. Now, I know that 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 probably doesn't fit well in a house of worship because we're called to be led by the Holy Spirit. But listen to me. We're in the biggest battle we've ever been in in the world. We're in the biggest fight we've ever been in. The sands of time are running out. And I'm not trying to be fearful. I'm not trying to be... I'm just telling you right now that I believe with everything in me, and I've always believed this, the devil will not win. I believe before Jesus returns, the greatest revival to ever hit planet Earth will hit it. But it's going to require a bunch of us All of us to step up and say, God, whatever it takes, I will be a soldier in your army. I'm ready to fight the good fight, to run the race, and I will keep the faith. And if it costs me my life, so be it. I'd rather die doing your will than live outside of it. I'm back here for that reason and that reason alone. I'm going to fight till I die and then I'm going to live forevermore I'll close with this one thought bottom line is we are pardoned from sin but we are not excused from service God pardoned us why wouldn't we want to serve him In just a moment, we're going to have a lunch. Those of you that say, I'm interested in being a part of serving, you know what, it's not really that big a deal because most of you will serve an hour and a half a month, maybe three hours a month, and do the math on how many hours. We need you. More importantly, God needs you. And I'm going to tell you something. We're going to run hard. We're going to fight strong. And we're going to see God do some things that are going to shock every one of us. And I've seen a lot of things but I believe I haven't seen the best yet. I would have never picked me the first time, and if I would have been God, I would have never called me back the second time. I don't get God. I know that there's two sides looking at my life, and you think there's just hate in the world, there's hate in the church, and it's got to go we got to start doing a better job of loving people back to their feet and promising that they'll be everything that God called them to be. So I invite you to eat lunch with us. It's not steak. <laughs> but just take a moment of your time. It won't be very long. But we want to get you plugged in. You know, we're, we're starting to rebuild after the pandemic. We're getting ready to start. Hopefully another women's group here soon. We've got men's breakfast. we got 50's Plus Fellowship. we got a lot of things going on, but not near what we need to have going on to reach our city. And we're going to go after it. And we need you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for having patience with us. Thank you for loving us even when we don't do what you want us to do. But Lord, I pray that we would turn a corner today and that we would step into our place of service in your house. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer of repentance, of salvation. I didn't know what to do when I was young. I didn't even know what being saved was. Even though I went to church, I had never heard... The salvation was simply me accepting the work of the cross. And some of you think you've outsinned the cross, that your sin is bigger than Calvary, your sin is bigger than Christ's blood, and it's not. That the only reason you haven't done anything for God is because you can't imagine that God could use someone like you, but you are a seed in the hands of God. And if you will allow your gift, your call, whatever it is, to be sown into the purpose of His kingdom, there will be a harvest around you of righteousness. God loves you. That's never the question. The question is, do we love God? Let's love God today. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only Son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I thank you, Jesus, that today I'm saved, I'm born again, I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer to recommit your life to Christ, or just to come to him for the first time, I want you to text the word "save" to 405, 1310 Do it right now. Don't wait. You'll forget the number. 405-513-10. Just put saved in there. We get that. We pray for you. And uh, we'll continue to pray for you because we know that God has great things for you in your life. We know that. And we're going to believe for that and that you're going to be a very vital part of, of the kingdom of God. And so do that right now if you would, please. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crowe. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.